Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Making America Strong Again. The only program dedicated to inspire you and to inspire a nation. With stories of American exceptionalism and national restoration. Join fellow patriots as we rediscover our past, reignite our future, and celebrate America now. Welcome to Making America Strong Again. This is Steve Oldis. My privilege to welcome you today to our program. And it's an exciting time because we have a guest with us today who has traveled a long way to be with us in studio. Joe McCrate is in town from Switzerland. And for those of you that have not met Joe, he is a longtime native of Florida. But actually, in full disclosure, we met 33 years ago when we were uh, going to college together at the University of Maryland. Joe, welcome to the program. Thanks, Steve. Thanks for having me. You bet. I uh, appreciate you taking that special trip from Switzerland to be with us. Some people will go a long way to join a program, and uh, and Joe's certainly making that show appear for us today, so we appreciate that. And actually, it's um, it's great to have you with, with us. We've uh, spent a lot of time together over the years. Joe and I actually served in the Air Force together for, uh, for quite a while. We went through ROTC together at the University of Maryland. We've worked in a number of different uh, activities together, and our kids have grown up together and all those sorts of things. But today our focus is really about understanding America's perspective from overseas. And Joe, you uh, tell us a little bit about your background, obviously uh, the service and, and so forth. Where did, you, where did you go from the time we met at Maryland 33 years ago and realize this is only a 30-minute show? <laughs> so... Uh... As you know, uh, I, I spent about four years uh, during the Iraq War and um, as an intelligence officer based overseas in my early 20s and then uh, came back. And after the drawdown, after the Berlin Wall came down, I uh, got into the, the sales uh, field of, of stocks and bonds and worked for Morgan Stanley for a while. And then uh, we uh, hooked up again in uh, – uh, some entrepreneurial pursuits down here in Florida, which took me out of the D.C. area, which I uh, came back to after the uh, the military. Came down here in the uh, in the late, uh, I guess it was the late 90s. And then uh, uh, before too long, the opportunity came up to move into, uh, to take some of the sales expertise I had and, and apply those to the pharmaceutical field. And so I've been working for an international pharmaceutical company, the same one for 17 years now, and uh, it's been quite a journey. And one of my uh, particular goals was to get back over to Europe. I really enjoyed it as a young uh, young officer in the military uh, in my early 20s and wanted to go back and, and have that experience again. So a lot of my uh, career was focused on uh, international business and, and getting over there to to uh, take the family over and, and have that uh, experience later in life. So we've been uh, living overseas in Switzerland. Uh, we've actually been living overseas for nine years, of which uh, seven has been in Switzerland and two were in the Philippines. So you've been all over the place, and, and we're going to drill down into the business experience you've had, but I'd 
like to touch on your educational background as well, because oftentimes, especially in the entrepreneurial discussions that we have, a lot of people ask us about higher education, whether it's whether it's helpful, where it makes sense, when it doesn't. Tell us a little bit about your uh, higher education pursuits. So, uh, you know, it's been, it's been quite a journey, and, and I couldn't have predicted uh, what education I would have had coming out of uh, University of Maryland. Actually, I went to University of Maryland to get an engineering degree, and uh, when I thought I was going to get a pilot slot, got a government and politics degree, but unfortunately, I'm partially colorblind, so I became an intelligence officer. I hate it when that happens. <laughs> it tended to uh, ruin my day when I found out about that. So uh, in order to excel in that career field, I, I got picked up a Master's of Science in International Relations and uh, held on to that. And then when I left the military and got into the business sector and really wanted to explore working overseas, I pursued a doctorate uh, in, from a, uh, a school in Sarasota called Argosy University, a doctorate in international business with a special focus on uh, international marketing. So I, I, I completed my doctor several years ago, and it's a, a DBA, so a doctorate of business administration. So right now, unfortunately, even though Joe and I have known each other a long time, I, I'm now required to call him Dr. McCrate. So hopefully uh, we'll get through the rest of the program without any faux pas. Uh, the reason I ask the question, though, Joe, is that there's so many people right now that are looking to make an, um, an edge in the business pursuit that they have and being able to distinguish themselves, that's an important element. What have, what have you found in the corporate world? Has the education helped? Was it a square filler? What was your what was your experience? Certainly any education that you can bring to the table w- will help. It'll be applicable in some way, shape, or form. It may not be a direct uh, applicability to your uh, current uh, position, but in the interactions that you have in the uh, uh, in, in the different jobs that you do, you will be able to apply some of it. But I think more than just the formal education is also the experiences that you have, the, 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 the military discipline, the military focus, getting a mission done, uh, sense of urgency. That all is well appreciated in the corporate world and, and has uh, served me well to move up the, the ladder from sales rep to uh, leading a brand now. So let's talk about what it's like actually living and working overseas. A lot of folks that have perhaps never served in the military or served in a large corporate organization where they've uh, been tasked to live outside the country don't have that perspective. What's it like to live, first of all, as an American, just overseas? What's right. it What's it like? Certainly. You, you know, there is um, – it, it's, it's, it's a large topic to get your arms around because there's so many different facets of living overseas. I would characterize it as its trade-offs. It is an adventure. It is a uh, a priceless and, and uh, priceless opportunity for myself, for my family, to experience different culture, especially not just a Western culture. But when we had our two years in the Philippines, that was a very eye-opening experience. You really come to appreciate what we have here in America. You really come to appreciate um, uh, what makes this country great. Um, but the trade officers, fantastic experiences, uh, appreciation of cultures and, and, and the other perspectives. And when you come back uh, to the U.S. and you talk with people, th- your perspective is such – it's so much widened uh, after, you, after you've uh, been experiencing these uh, other cultures and working with people from, from different nationalities day by day. So I work for a German boss, but on my team, I have a uh, person from Greece, France – uh, Sweden and Taiwan, so all on one team. All on one team, and that's a that's a team that we work uh, on a drug for macular degeneration and diabetic macular edema. It's for the eye, and uh, so we collaborate. And and uh, you know the 
the culture's you know it, it's there, but it's uh you know we're we're a common team and and you get the best out of people when you when you uh, have a full integrated team that would, coming from different perspectives. So this may sound like a funny question, but th- does everybody speak English or is that what's the common language for the company? So the the company I work for is is based in Switzerland and uh, the the corporate language is English and and I think that that makes things a lot easier. Uh, now when I first got there, uh, this is nine years ago. Things were a little bit more, uh, I, I should say, dramatic. So the the copiers were in German, and I was getting emails from my assistant in German, and and uh, <laughs> you know it made things a little bit challenging at first. But over over the time, uh, as more and more people, uh, English becomes even even more uh, greatly exposed across the world. Uh, English is is easily done, and, and I think that's one of the the criteria to come to the global headquarters is you have to have a good understanding of English and both written and speaking. So when you look at your experience there in the corporate world, and and you mentioned that you've been in Asia as well, what are some of the things that you've experienced working with international business people? What are, what is their perspective of working with you as an American? I think there's some, uh, and I'll be quite honest. I think there's probably some bias there. I would say that uh, they may see Americans as hard charging, maybe go getters. Uh, people that seize the opportunity, uh, certainly not – they see, I guess, more drivers than they see us as supporters. And uh, so I'm very conscious of that. And over over time, you you really appreciate uh, other people's, um, you know, opinions and and their perspectives. So, you know, you, you get up in front of a crowd and you deliver a presentation and someone says, man, Americans are such good public speakers. <laughs> and uh, I say, well, actually, that's the most fearful thing for most people across the world. So it's, <laughs> it's not it's not an American skill. But but there's a lot of uh, things that are characterized as as American. Um, and so so I, I'd say that there there are some uh, stereotypes that that we have. Um, and you know, since most of I I live in Basel, and Basel is a is a is a city that's. Uh, a third of expats, so about 33% are expats, but only 6% are U.S. citizens. And so certainly a minority there, and, and in my company it's, it's probably even less, probably about 2%. And what, what is an expat just for definition? Certainly. An expat would be someone that's uh, living outside of the country that they're a citizen of. And so, um, so there's not that many Americans there. So it's, you know, it's not a... Uh, it's certainly not a detriment, and, and I, I'm very careful not to, uh, you know, what's what's kind of crazy is you, you would you would imagine that there's a standard no religion, no politics at at uh, at work, and uh, it is amazing how people that you know I, I really closely abide by that, but it's amazing how people actually have their opinions of our politics there. <laughs> <laughs> so I. So these were these were politics that you know I, uh, during uh, George W. Bush's years, and then now during uh, Barack Obama's years, and everybody seems to have an opinion. And so I'm I'm very careful to to take on the opinion, and uh, I, I typically don't engage with it because it's probably not productive. <laughs> well, it's one of the things that's interesting to me is when you start looking at dealing with people, especially in the corporate environment. That's a little different than the entrepreneurial world, mm-hmm. but at the same time, you've got a perspective of what it's like dealing with Americans. How do you think – we talked about how they work with you individually. 
how do the inter, how does the international community view uh, American business right now? We've got a couple minutes before the break. How, how do they see it kind of in the big picture? And then when we come back, we'll drill down into, into more specifics. Well, there's no doubt that, uh, you know, in, even in the, the industry that I work in, U.S. industry, U.S. intellect, U.S. innovation is very much appreciated. And a, and a lot of the great ideas that, that fuel – and I won't say all, but I will say people recognize there's a lot of good innovation that comes out of the U.S. And so uh, we always try to tap into that and, uh, and try to take those, um, take those learnings and expand them across the world. And so the U.S. is, uh, is very much well-respected. Yeah. So when they, when you work with folks, do you work on a particular? Do you pull an international team together? Do you work in a certain geographic region? How how do the different countries kind of work together? So it's um, it really depends upon the project. Sometimes we uh, we work as as a cross functional team comprised of uh, medical people and regulatory people and marketing people, but we also work uh, across uh, boundaries, like you said. So I used to work in a job where my area responsibility was Africa, Asia, and Middle East. And so that was a diverse population there. I so, bet it was. <laughs> just even where we were going to have the meetings for to bring everybody together was uh, was sometimes an area of, of discussion and uh, compromise. But um, but now I work at the, at the global level. This is the second time I've been working at the global level. And I think you, you take things from a universal perspective there. And uh, you try to find a, a common good for everyone. And not ever certainly in, in the business world – you don't uh, you can't find a cookie cutter solution for every situation but you call you find what what's called a best practice that can be adapted can be modified uh, we have a very decentralized structure so what we say at global isn't necessarily mandated verbatim across the world it's it's uh, it's localized it's it's put into play that uh, so the countries that implement the ideas and the and the strategies that we have customize it for what's best for both the patients and for uh, the business. So it's a, a pretty interesting way to go about moving from the U.S. to an international market. So when we come back from the break, we'll talk more specifically about the elements of working for entrepreneurs and how it is that we take that to another level, especially in the international market. Okay. We'll be right back. Making America Strong Again is brought to you by Patriot Mission. To learn more about National Restoration, get free resources at www.makingamericastrongagain.com. This is Steve Schwartz with pdgo.com. We've been in business for over 15 years and have created over a thousand websites for clients across the USA and across the world. We help our clients have a custom, affordable website, and we teach them personally how they can very easily update the information on their websites themselves anytime they want to without being a techie. Take a look at pdgo.com and see samples of our work and testimonials that clients have said about our service. pdgo.com. Again, pdgo.com. At SurfPro of Vero Beach, no job is too big and no question is too small. So when fire, water, or mold damage strikes your home or business, call on SurfPro of Vero Beach at 772-770-0501. That's where you'll find a team of specialists that's faster to any size disaster. So when the things that matter most are on the line, make sure SurfPro of Vero Beach is too by calling 772-770-0501. That's SurfPro of Vero Beach. 
helping make fire, water, and mold damage like it never, ever happened. Franchises are independently owned and operated. Hi, this is Kelly Fisher, a supporter of the Making America Strong Again mission and your local real estate professional here on the Treasure Coast. It has been my honor to serve our community here in Vero Beach since 2003, and with over 1,500 home sales over the past 21 years, it's my hope that you will consider the Kelly Fisher team at Treasure Coast Sotheby's International Realty for all your real estate needs. It's also our desire that every family has a home and every home has a family, and we have partnered with the Homeless Family Center of Vero Beach to work toward that goal. When you buy or sell a home with the Kelly Fisher team, we will make a substantial contribution toward alleviating homelessness in our hometown. To be a part of this great mission, please call us at 772-321-6905. Welcome back to Making America Strong Again, the program dedicated to inspire you and to inspire a nation with stories of American exceptionalism and national restoration. Once again, here's your host, Steve Olds. Well, thanks for being with us again today. And as we said in our earlier segment, our guest is Joe McCrate from Basel, Switzerland. Joe and I have known each other for, oh, going over uh, three decades now. And Joe, it's great to have you on the program today. Thanks, Steve. Thanks for having me. You bet. One of the things we were talking about, since Joe is an international guy, works for a large corporation internationally, and sometimes understanding how to operate in the international community is one thing. A couple things I'd like to touch on uh, before we wrap up the show today is the activity that you apply as a corporate guy. Sometimes we talk a lot about entrepreneurship here on this program. How do you apply entrepreneurial skills? Because you've been both. You've been an entrepreneur. You've started companies and worked Mm -hmm. in small businesses, but now you find yourself a very senior leader in a large global company. How do you apply those skills and where do they fit? Well, I think... um it's different. It's just the entrepreneurial thinking that you apply within the structure of the corporation. So uh, while uh, most most all of the focus is to drive the success uh, of the brands that uh, that we work with uh, so they can better serve the patients, there is certainly the entrepreneurial things that we look at is what types of innovation, what what will address an unmet need that's out there. It's finding that need. And we do a lot of market research to find out, you know, could, is there something out there to help patients stay on the drug? Is there side effects that we need to address? Is there different patient types that are not getting served with this drug right now? So we're always entrepreneurial, and we instead of looking for new market segments, we're looking for new patient segments, which our drugs can uh, can better serve the, uh, the the different patients out there within the label of the drug. But certainly, um, we want to make the, the drugs not only they're, – they're already effective and efficacious, but we want to make them – uh, the access to the drugs better. We want to make the delivery of the drugs and the compliance a lot easier. So, so that so that's a that's a mindset that the team always has to, to continuous improvement. So it's the thinking. You're able to apply the thinking, right. and that's probably one of the reasons that you were able to move into different sections because you've moved in lots of different jobs in a large company, and you've worked in different countries. And so we have. So actually, we get evaluated. There's a there's a, a term called agility. How how what kind of agility does this person have? Not only uh, we we get measured in a matrix kind of a uh, performance compared to different jobs. So they look at people's agility 
uh, learning agility, to take on new jobs, new tasks. And that's how they determine whether should this person stay in the same type career field or could we give them a stretch assignment. So agility thinking and agility learning is very, very key. So for people that may be in an entrepreneurial pursuit and are being frustrated because a business isn't profitable, there's not a reason that they should say, you know what, I don't want to go in the corporate world. Sometimes it makes sense to go in the corporate world. You can grow your skills. you got access to a lot of resources. You can always come back into the entrepreneurial world as well, right? That's right. I mean, it, it is amazing. We see you know, doctors that have their own practices. They get tired of it for a while. So they come into uh, the pharmaceutical industry for a while to do research, to explore different areas to just kind of scratch that itch that they have uh, professionally. And then they go back out into the practices. And I think entrepreneurs can do that too. I mean, if you're, if you're a seasoned veteran in something, you can go out and, and step away for a while and uh, try your own entrepreneurial pursuit. And if it doesn't work out, you, have, you can go back to the type of experience and, and, and go back in. Now, if you're climbing the corporate ladder, candidly, you, you, may, you, may, not, you may lose some speed in going up the corporate ladder if you step away. But if you judge that what's important for you is, is a better work-life balance, more priorities around uh, uh, spending time with your, with your family and, and creating something for yourself and for the, to pass along, then uh, I, I firmly encourage that. Let me ask you this, switch topics a little bit. There are always things that happen in the United States that have an impact around the globe. How do those events, activities, conversations, how does that manifest itself from your perspective overseas? Well, Steve, as you can imagine, with the uh, with the primaries ongoing and the presidential race, uh, there's nothing to talk about there. I'm sure. <laughs> exactly. So that is always a. Uh, we don't have a water cooler, but if we had a water cooler, that would be the water cooler <laughs> conversation. And uh, so, you know, while CNN uh, does a nice job of dissemination of information, uh, it is sometimes a shame that that is. People's uh, perception of the U.S., people's perception of candidates or or uh, people in the U.S. is characterized by what CNN and the CNN commentators uh, say. So uh, quite often my wife and I don't necessarily agree uh, with what they're saying and, and we, <laughs> we get aggravated and turn, this, turn the station off or, or just listen to music or something because uh, it's unfortunate because if, if something's said on CNN, that is typically taken for fact. And uh, it would be great to have some some other uh, competing news organizations out there that maybe were more fair and balanced. So across the across Europe and and obviously um, Southwest Asia or Southeast Asia where you were, that's that's pretty common because of the the airports and all the all the main distribution networks. Exactly, it's on every cable network. It's hotels. in every hotels. Yeah, so you have uh, so you have uh, CNN, you have uh, BBC, and and that's particularly the only ones. And so. If, you know, you can imagine there's a lot of uh, liberal type uh, uh, information Mm -hmm. that has a liberal uh, stance on it or stamp on it. So, uh, you know, at times that doesn't quite uh, jive with what our beliefs are. And most of the time at the office, I will let it ride unless it's it's an important issue. And then I will I will engage (laughs) the person in a a very professional manner and and kind of give them my perspective. So they have another perspective to take into account. So one of the things that I also know about you is that you love traveling, you love having a good time and, and going to different places around the world. Tell us a little about some of the fun adventures that you've had. So we have been blessed uh, living over there and, and uh, my wife and I, we've been married for 11 years now and we always try to take an anniversary trip somewhere unique and, and uh, as as fantastic as we can think of. So we've 
We've been everywhere. When we lived out in the Philippines, we made a big uh, emphasis on on going down to Australia and going to Bali and up to Hong Kong, and and uh, that was great. And then uh, being in Switzerland, you're right at the center of Europe. So we we've we've gone to Monte Carlo, and certainly Paris is only a quick uh, three hour train ride away that you and I even enjoyed when That's you guys right. came that was to visit. Fun. Uh, we love Spain, and uh, uh, last for our tenth anniversary, we went to Maldives. So. It's it's very nice, as you can imagine. The, uh, the it's a lot easier and quicker to get to some of these fantastic destinations. And and then for for this year's uh, anniversary, we we plan to go to the Canary Islands. The so, Canary Islands. So let, yeah. we need we need dates and hotel information and, <laughs> exactly. uh, and where we book our tickets. You are more than always welcome to uh, to come with us <laughs> to invade your personal exactly. space on the anniversary. Exactly. Well, you're Uncle Steve to uh, to our two young daughters. So. Uncle Steve and Aunt Nancy were always invited to come along. Well, that's cool. We'll bring. We'll uh, see if Mike's available, and we'll, we'll schedule the trip. <laughs> exactly. So, l- let me ask you this: If you were to talk to somebody who'd never traveled to Europe, mm-hmm. and uh, young Americans, perhaps some of our young uh, entrepreneurial apprentices, say, "Hey, before I before I get married and get deep into my business, I'm going to take a trip." Where would you uh, Where would you recommend they start? So, what I've done, I've done this three times, and and I think one of the best ways to experience Europe is to buy a Eurorail ticket, a two-week Eurorail ticket, and buy yourself a nice backpack and go see all the major cities. So when I when I say Eurorail ticket, that's a ticket that you can ride unlimited amount for two weeks on the rail system. And the rail system there is just brilliant. It's really nice. So I would say land in Paris and do Paris, go down to Florence, go to Rome, go to Venice, go to Prague, go to Budapest. Uh, London's probably a separate trip because it's a little bit far away, but hit all the major cities and and see the sites that you see in the travel magazines. I mean, the, when you're there live, it just doesn't. I mean, when you're, as you know, from going to the top of the Eiffel Tower, where where I was able to propose uh, to my lovely wife, uh, it, there's nothing like it. And so, uh, going to the Spanish Fountain in Rome, uh, it, it's breathtaking and. Uh, there's two places that my wife actually cried when she was there. It was seeing the Colosseum in Rome at nighttime and seeing the St. Char- Charles Bridge in Prague at nighttime. And it's, they're breathtaking places, and and I encourage everybody to go over there. But if, it, if someone young and uh, enjoys uh, kind of kind of an adventure, I take the two the the, the uh, two week Eurorail for sure. Now you've also spent obviously a lot of time in Asia. Mm-hmm. Uh, where are the highlights there? So, um, I you know. It, Depending upon what you're looking for, Hong Kong was really spectacular, and so was the Sydney Opera House. That was great, but uh, but it, there's plenty of beaches there. There's there's plenty of uh, Tokyo is just it, that is the Asia New York. Uh, Love that, and uh, that's a pretty busy place, yeah. though, isn't it? it <laughs> yeah, slightly, <laughs> exactly. And uh, Singapore is actually that's the kind of the hub that you can uh, get to a lot of places very quickly. Bali's only a, a, about an hour and a half out of Singapore, so so yeah. That, that, there's a lot of different places there. It depends upon whether you want beach or you want exploration. I mean, Thailand is absolutely awesome too because you've got everything from elephant safaris to lying on a nice beach or getting a great massage. You know, I've not been on an elephant safari this week, so that may be something we have to put on the agenda. Let's, 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 yeah, let's block it right now on the calendar. We could, we could do that. So one of the questions that comes up a lot, and, and obviously with the uh, terrorism threats, people are, are really concerned about what's going on out there. What, what are your recommendations for uh, playing it smart and, and uh, how to take care of business while you're traveling? You know, I'm glad you asked me that because I was actually wanted to bring that up. And and uh, when I was in the Air Force working overseas, uh, 
we always we didn't wear our uniforms off base, and we and we came to the base and changed into our uniforms, and and that's kind of stuck with me that. I'm very, very proud to be American, but I also have common sense not to be <laughs> waving the American flag from the uh, from the balcony and, and having the uh, the flag posted outside the uh, outside of my apartment. and And I, it's common sense because you because Europe is while it seems big, it is a small place, and there's a lot of transient people through there, and people have very strong opinions and and, and we see people hanging German flags and and, and Swiss flags and Spanish flags. But we don't hang the American flag, and it's because uh, in this day and age, um, you know, America is is polarizing. I mean, it, it people love America, and there's people out there that don't think so favorably about it. So I keep my family safe by, uh, you know, being a good international uh, resident there. Kind and of keeping a low profile. Keeping a low profile. There's no reason to be boisterous and, and being loudmouth. I mean, you can – Sometimes we're in a restaurant and you can tell when there's visitors from out of town and they're talking with loud and loud uh, voices and we're we're thinking ah man they have, they have, have we, you seen much of the refugee um, crisis? You know Switzerland is very strong with its borders and uh, we could learn something from that. I, you know <laughs> they're very strong with their borders and we've had things that have happened uh, about only. Uh, I was going to give you kilometers, but that that doesn't really resonate with this audience. So <laughs> probably about uh, two miles outside of the border where we live, uh, which would be about four miles from our house, there was some there was a young girl attacked by uh, wh- who they've identified was uh, some people from the Middle East that were that were coming uh, that were refugees and and they were supposed refugees. But we've had a lot of problems in in Germany, and I say we because being a European. Uh, resident right now up in Cologne and and we're very cognizant that there's people coming through and uh and uh we have to play it smart because the world is is a, is can be a dangerous place. Well Joe, I appreciate your insight and thanks for uh, sharing all the perspective from the interna- international market and um it's exciting to to look at all the opportunities out there. Maybe we'll have you back and talk about pursuing opportunities around the world. So thanks for being here. My pleasure. Making America Strong Again is brought to you by Patriot Mission. To learn more about national restoration, get free resources at www.makingamericastrongagain.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.